This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. We have quite a treat for you this week. Um, This is... I think I said this last week when we had Emily Heidel and Kyra Simeon on, but I'm not supposed to play favorites on this podcast, but oh my goodness, when I found out we were going to have this week's guest, uh, it's one of the biggest thrills I've had uh, in five years of hosting this show. We've got the one and only Billy Aaron, of course, the the wife of the late, great Hank Aaron. Billy is, if you're not familiar with her, which I'm sure you, you probably are, but if you're not, she is just a remarkable, remarkable woman with quite a story of her own, even just aside from her, her marriage to Hank. She was kind enough to let us come out to her house and just talk to her for a little bit and interview her for this podcast. And we had such a great time getting to know her. Uh, thanks, a huge thanks before we get into the, the interview to Simone Walls, who is the manager of the Henry Louis Aaron Fund here at the Braves. Simone's one of my favorite people in the office. She Her desk is right around the corner from mine. Uh, she does an amazing job with the Henry Louis Aaron Fund, which by the way, if you haven't checked that out, braves.com slash H-L-A-F. Head on over there and donate. Check out the work that the Braves and Simone are doing with the, the Henry Louis Aaron Fund. I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, but So special thanks to Simone, as well as last week's guest on Behind the Braves and Mrs. Aaron's granddaughter, Emily Heidel, for putting this all together and, and allowing us into Mrs. Aaron's home to just to talk with her a little bit about her life and, of course, her, her marriage with, with Hank and all things in between. So without further ado... Here she is, Mrs. Billy Aaron. Well, Mrs. Aaron, thank you so much for not only taking the time, but allowing us in your home. That's it's a special thing for Greg and I whenever we get to go not only speak with somebody, but visit them. Uh, and that's something that we uh, we very much appreciate. So thank you, first You're of all. You're very welcome. So uh, I want to start with the work that you still continue to do with Chasing the Dream Foundation um, and the charity work you're doing. What What is uh, what is the status in the Henry Louis Aaron Fund with the Braves? I sit near uh, Simone. Her, her office is right next to mine, and I love getting to work with her and see her every day, and I know the amazing work she does with the Henry Louis Aaron Fund. So what is the, the work that you're currently working on with Chasing the Dream and Henry, Henry Louis Aaron Fund? Well, that is a kind of work that continues. It has... I put it on pause for the moment until we can sort of regroup. It was Henry's baby. He he loved, loved that organization that we started in 1994, I believe, but we actually got started in 1995 with uh, kids coming, applying and coming into the program. But uh, at the moment, we are reassessing our approach because he was the head of it mm-hmm. and we have to really decide how best to continue the fundraising. He did most of that <laughs> and uh, it it's been kind of a job that I'm trying to, as I said, regroup and we have a board 
that we have to meet with and get some advice from as far as how best to continue this, the Chasing the Dream Foundation. Okay. So that's kind of where we are now. It's We're not in limbo, but we are on pause for a few seconds. I understand. Well, I can, I can definitely vouch for the fact that Simone is doing amazing work with the Henry Louis Aaron Fund, and I see it. We see it in the office every day. Okay, so that's current. So let's back all the way all the way up to, to earlier in your life and career. Um, reading up on you, becoming a broadcaster in the 60s, having your own television show, particularly in the Southeast, I mean, the first to regularly host a show. What, what was that experience like? What are your memories from that? Well, that, I never had my own show. That was never. I was added to an existing program at WSB that was headed by Ruth Kent. And Ruth had been doing that program for a number of years, from the beginning almost of WSB TV. But um, when we talked about doing a a show of my own, I I talked with management about that, but we ended up, uh, they ended up adding me to Today in Georgia, which was the name of that show at the time. So it was a wonderful experience. And it was probably the best thing that could have happened because I had no experience, even though I wanted my own show. And they decided that it would probably be best for me to kind of learn the game. And that's what I tried to do in the process. But I started working there as a co-host, so to speak, with Ruth Kent in 1968. And uh, I was with them for about six years until I remarried and Henry and I moved to back to Milwaukee. He moved back to Milwaukee. So during that time, there were many, many experiences of meeting celebrity guests, interviewing celebrity guests, interviewing community people, leaders who were and dignitaries. So from Vice President Hubert Humphrey down to dog catchers and others, <laughs> I, I had a, a, a question or two. And uh, it was a t- really meaningful ex- learning experience. Mm. That's great. Did you feel like that, you know, with your experience in broadcasting that you were able to have, and then at the same time, you were an educator, so you were teaching. Did you feel like that you were um, an educator at heart, or did you feel like that, oh, this is something I really have always wanted to do, or how did you consider yourself? Well, I have to say it was something that I always dreamed of doing uh, from high school. Uh, I happened to have the experience of writing a little script for my choir, the Harity Burley Choir at Lincoln High School in Dallas, Texas. And we went on television for, they had a, I don't remember the TV station, but they had a Saturday morning program where every Saturday morning they presented a school, for a local school, I think mostly high schools. And we were invited to be a part of that program. And I wrote the script and my the Harity Burley Choir sang. So I did the bridging from one song to the next song <laughs> and talking a little about our high school. And it went well, I gather, because my principal called me in to praise me for having done a marvelous job. And I was so thrilled by the praise until I started thinking, hey, wait a minute. Is this something? I, I mean, this is something something that I really think I'd like to do. But how do I? And of course, during, in those years, 
there were no black faces on TV in Dallas, any place else in the South, as far as I know. I happened to take a trip to visit my sister in Quebec, Canada, who my a younger sister who was married and teaching in Quebec. I stopped in New York and I turned the television station on, and there was a black face, a black girl, talking about things of concern and of interest in New York. And I was just startled. I said, wait a minute. There is one. Uh, if there is one, there might be a there should be two, right? <laughs> so when I got back home, I started talking about it uh, to my late, then late husband. I mean, my husband, who was Dr. Sam Williams at the time, who uh, was a professor at Morehouse College. And it sort of came up with the idea that maybe if I take this idea of my having a short show on WSB TV. Ray Moore was in in charge of the uh, news department. And I had been impressed with Ray's delivery of the news because prior to that, you didn't see here, uh, didn't see or hear much about black people on television. And when you did, oh yes, you did. You heard a lot about us, but it was all bad. <laughs> Everything bad that they, we could do and that they could put together. That's what we saw on television. And my idea was to try to show another side of the community. I was at the Atlanta University in the Atlanta University Center, and I was working. Uh, teaching uh, at Morris Brown at the time. And after some discussions with Don Elliott Hill, who was general manager of WSB, uh, we sort of came up with the idea that maybe, just maybe, that I could squeeze in and do something on television and and have African-Americans who were visiting the Atlanta University Center schools come on the show and talk about their experiences or talk about education in the black uh, colleges and universities. So that led to eventually my being added to Today in Georgia. And that's how I sort of got started there. And that's how I, some years later, it was maybe, this was in 68. It was in 71, late 71, I guess it was, that I had the pleasure of talking Henry Aaron onto coming into coming on the show. And anyway, I know you were gonna get there, so I just threw it out before you got there. I was there. good. I was thinking, well, how did you guys meet? So was that the first time you had met Henry? That's the first okay. time I met him at WSB wow. uh, when we finally convinced him to come on today in Georgia. So was it hard to? I mean, what, did it take a lot to convince him? Yeah. I know he's he's pretty he's yes. pretty quiet. You know, didn't really want to talk about himself a whole lot. No, he really didn't. And not only that, he was when he was home, they were always playing. Mm. When he wasn't home, they were on the road. So he happened to be uh, in town. And Dick Cecil, who was over oh, yeah. the Dick. Um, PR department, I guess, uh, I got in touch with to see if, if we could reach him. But I had no way of getting in touch with him. And he finally said, I mean, he said, well, he, you can call us, you know, Ray's office and da 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 da. Okay, Dick, I need you to help me <laughs> get this. I wanted to do a series on the on the Braves, and my, oh, I was assigned that by Bill and Bowden, who was then the producer of Today in Georgia. So 
he agreed that if I could get Henry on, that would be a plus. That would really be a plus for me and, and my ability to attract other African-Americans to come on the show. So I, I, that was sort of where it started. And, and that was the beginning of the beginning. Do you remember how that first interview with Henry went? It went badly. Did it? <laughs> In that, I didn't know what... I didn't know anything about baseball. Mm. <laughs> I really didn't know anything about baseball. But I managed to get a few questions out. Um, there was a, a a young guy on that would come up, bring the would give the the news during the breaks in today in Georgia. And oh gosh, I can see him, and I can't call his name, but I can't call his name right now. But he was a big baseball fan. So I went to him and he helped me formulate a few questions. But, you know, you got to follow up. You can't just say, <laughs> yeah, well, how old right. are you? Oh, is that it? How, you know, well, what else? What comes next? So in the process, um, I got through it. And after it was over, Henry asked, would you like me to help you? No, what do you plan to do with the, with the, this? Are you? And I had told him that I wanted to do other team members like Ralph Gar, who mm-hmm. was fr- pretty new on the team, Dusty Baker, and I can't remember all of the ones that I had inquired about. He, so he said, "Well, you 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 kind of need a little help, at, you know." <laughs> he said he would, he would tutor yeah, you. Yeah, you want me to help you formulate some <laughs> questions? So that was the beginning of, and and he did. And the next time I had a Braves player on, I was a little more informed and a little better educated about baseball. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, growing up in Dallas, were you uh, was your family just not into sports or did you just know not mo- know, know much about baseball because I assume that you maybe you were a Cowboys fan in Dallas. No, no, no you didn't have those teams then. Yeah? See, th- okay. this is back in the your old days in the horse and buggy days. <laughs> oh, I, I, oh, I don't know about that. I, I got out of high school in 58. I mean, 54. Because I got out of college in 58. So, no, you didn't have those things to relate to. And and I had never been to a baseball game. Hmm. And they didn't have then the, what do you call them in Dallas? They didn't have a the Dallas Cowboys? team. They didn't have. Or the Rangers they might have, or anything. I, I don't know about yeah, basketball. Yeah, there's no baseball, football, yeah. But I, don't, I know Definitely they didn't have baseball. any baseball. And they didn't have any baseball in Houston. To See, the South was devoid of. I guess Atlanta probably. Yeah, they were the first team in the South. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing to relate to mm. for me. And I, I was not in athletics in any way. I was more in academics as far as our high school experiences were concerned. And that's how I happened. I was singing in the choir and playing in the little plays and the, all that kind of thing. But I never had any experience on the baseball field or the track team or any of those things. Well, you had a good tutor, so I'm sure uh, well, teaching you about say, baseball. No, no, no. He wasn't. <laughs> no, he was not a tutor. He was serious, I think, about helping this little girl yeah. who wanted to be little girl, a grown woman <laughs> who wanted to be, you know, in the business. But he, he knew I didn't have any real knowledge to gain my entrance. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. So that was sort of how it went. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, so when you said you mentioned earlier you you traveled north and you saw an African-American face on the TV, what was that like when you became... You said, okay, I, I did it. Like you became that face in the South. What was that experience like for you? It's hard to describe. It was just an amazing one opportunity. And two, I was constantly trying to learn how to do the job. I was constantly trying to get better at it so I wouldn't make a fool of myself. And and it, it wasn't easy, but I loved it. I loved meeting people. And when given an assignment, I loved learning about them and uh, the area in which they were. And often they were just celebrity guests from movie stars. To, I, I interviewed Jane Fonda. I interviewed Pearl Bailey. I interviewed Harry Belafonte and um, who just passed a few months. I mean, mm. I, I look. You would think I would look over at the picture and and come up with a name. <laughs> yeah, um, like, we, we've done 150 of these interviews, and every now and then it's like I can picture like, okay, who was we had this guy? He was, he was yeah, a catcher for the yeah. Braves in 1983, and I yeah. can't. Quite I, look, I look at Ricky with a blank face. He's like, I can't yeah, help so you with that. We understand. We've been there. <laughs> It'll come before yeah. you leave. Yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah, no worries. You had a long list of uh, really yeah, good interviews. Yeah, a long list of celebrity guests, and and I was just. Enthralled. I, I couldn't contain myself. They'd come into the studio, and then I had to learn to just be cool. You know, don't run out there like a <laughs> whatever and start. But you learn, and I learned, and I learned. <laughs> and finally, it all just sort of, you know, became natural. I, I felt, at least, over a period of time. I was on the show for six years, so... Two or three of those, I was really in training. And the other time, I sort of felt a little more at home. That's great. Yeah, it's not always where you start, right? As long as you learn something every year, you're you're probably doing pretty good. I was doing pretty well. And when we went to Milwaukee, I had my own little show. Uh, of course, that was part of the trade deal. When, oh, when they got that in the contract, that's pretty good. That's when they smart. traded Henry to Milwaukee to the Milwaukee Brewers, then I I got a little piece of the action. Too. Nice. So wow! I, they gave me a little job. Billy, my show was called at WTMJ in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. Did you like it up there? Uh, I loved it, except for the weather. And if you don't love the weather, then you don't like it up there. <laughs> you know, it, a little chilly. It was too cold. <laughs> I'm, I remember on opening day, they had about four or five inches of snow on the ground. Wow. And I thought, my goodness, how long is this going to take? <laughs> and we didn't get any summer weather until about late August. And then it started feeling, you know, a little more comfortable but before that it was just cold to me i stayed cold <laughs> well that's why they built a dome now they've got an inside oh part. yes they, that was they the smartest thing they ever did lovely dome now and they can shut out the snow and uh, the rain and the sleet and everything they just pull up 
push a button and the covers come over. I've got a friend who uh, he got married about 10 years ago and he asked me to be in his wedding and I was honored. I said, oh, great, great. Um, and his, his wife, now wife, is from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh. <laughs> and uh, he's, he, I said, where is it going to be? He said, oh, it's, it's going to be up in Green Bay. I'm, I'm from Virginia, so it was a <laughs> long trip. And I said, okay, what's the date? I think it was February 2nd. And I said, we're going to have a wedding in Green Bay, Wisconsin in February 2nd. And, and I drove up there and my heater in my car broke. And <laughs> I'm here to tell you, I could not spend the, spend the I love the city. I love the area. But well, that cold is different up mm. there. It is so different. It's a beautiful city. I, yeah. I And I, there are aspects of it that I really love. Sure. But you can have the weather. Yeah. When you when your time, when yours and Henry's time was done in Milwaukee, was there ever a question that you were, you were always going to come back to Atlanta? I think pretty much so, because uh, he had had conversations with Bud Selig, who at that time owned the team uh, and who later became the commissioner of Major League Baseball. But we I, we never discussed how long we were going to be there, to be honest. But I th- Henry had said, I will only be there maybe two, no more than three years and possibly no more than two years because he kept saying, look, I am, for what was he, 40, whatever, two, three years old. And I, I put in the baseball about all I have to give. But he went back to Milwaukee because Bud was twisting his arm, so to speak, and telling him to come back. They had become good friends over the years when he was there before. So it was sort of a natural when he said at first that he was going to retire after the 7-15. But he started leaning towards staying another few year or two after Bud uh, talked with him. So we went to Milwaukee. What was it once once he was retired from baseball? Was there was there part of you that thought, okay, we finally have a, I, I just know from being around the game, my family was, I grew up in athletics and different sport, but required travel and being gone from home a lot. And then once the person retired, it's like, there's a whole new life at home, but it was kind of a beautiful thing because I'm, I'm speaking of my dad. He was uh, uh, in, a, in, in NASCAR. And, but once he retired, it was kind of like, oh, this is, we have a nice family home life now. It was exciting, the game being involved in it, very exciting, but there was something that was very special about, hey, we're just home now. It's Saturday and we're just, we're all home together. Was was there any of that for you? Was it nice that once he was retired that you kind of had a nice, more stable life at home? Well, I'm not sure how to even answer that because what, what you have to consider is I came into his life late. I came into his life a year before he hit the 715. And I had not gone through all of the baseball life, the travels and the all that comes with it. Henry had come here with a family, a wife and four children. And uh, I didn't know him then. I didn't meet him until after there had been a divorce in the family uh, between him and his wife. And I was at WSB at that time. And I had been married. Uh, um, to Dr. Sam Williams for 11 years when I'm telling you my age and all of these numbers here, but I don't mind telling you. I'm glad, I'm thankful to still we, be here. We, we won't remember, and also both of us are really bad at math, so you got no worries. We are terrible at math. So we had been in very different circumstances as we grew up and grew older. So I had been in education only. 
And he, of course, had been in baseball only. But that was his life, and my life was completely different uh, from his life. So it's it's kind of hard to to put hmm. substance to the retirement because I never thought of retirement. Right. <laughs> it never entered my head that, well, that hopefully I did. One day I'd retire from teaching, but I, after... I was doing both during the time that I was at WSB. I would rush away from WSB and get back to my classes at, at uh, Mars Brown. Oh my gosh! How long did uh, how long did you teach? I taught for about twelve. Was it about twelve years or so? Twelve or thirteen years. I, t- I come from a family of the rest of my family. I have one one. My dad was a race car driver, and the rest of my family are all teachers. So I grew up in. Uh, in a house full of teachers. My little sister is now a teacher and Mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of pride in how much she gets so excited just teaching her kids uh, history. And just when they get something or they really, it, it, it makes her year when one of them comes up to her after then they look forward to coming to her class. And so I, I, I very much appreciate that about you being a teacher. I did have a question about just education. I know that with all the work that you've done with HBCUs and then of course, um, you know, the, the fundraising, the philanthropy that you guys have done uh, in the education system. As it relates to Atlanta, how have, have you seen, have you seen a big difference between when you were teaching and now what's going on with the HBCUs or just the general education? As far as have you seen it in a positive way? Have we seen a lot of growth in the Atlanta area from that standpoint? Um, is there a lot of work still to be done? Or, I mean, do you think the schools are, are, are getting better and our education system? getting better here or how I mean have you have you seen much or studied much of that over the years no I haven't studied much of that but I was in the Atlanta public school system for just two years uh, I left the Atlanta public school system and I went to the college level at Morris Brown I was at Morris Brown for about seven years I was at no before Morris Brown I was at Spelman for a year and at Morehouse for a year, really supplying for teachers who went on leave, uh, who were took a sabbatical and who were working toward that PhD. So I was hired just for a year at Morehouse, for a year when Dr. Um, some lady <laughs> left and went to school, went to University of Chicago. So I took over her classes for that year a year before that, Whitney Young had been chair of the um, social work department at Atlanta University, and he had, his wife Margaret taught over at Spelman. Well, when Whitney left Atlanta and went to and we went to uh, New York, Margaret stayed on for a year or so later, and then she joined Whitney, and that left a void on the Spelman campus for uh, a person to fill in there. And I feel, uh, began to fill in for Margaret. I did that for a year. Okay. I went to Turner High School after that year because I had applied. But Dr. Letson, who was the superintendent, would not hire me because I was the wife of Sam Williams, who was a militant, they claimed. Samuel had been very much involved in the civil rights movement here in Atlanta. And that had created some problems for the uh, administration in the Atlanta public school. So anyway, I won't go there. 
but <laughs> I, I had to bounce around for a while to teach. I even went to South Carolina State College for a year because I couldn't get on in the Atlanta public school system. So when I was able to get on in the system, I went to Turner High School to teach. And as I said, that was just for two years. Mm. And uh, Dr. Middleton, who was president at Morris Brown, invited me to come to Morris Brown College. And that's how I got out of the public school system into college for a period of time. Well, we've, we've done a lot of work with the HBCUs here in Atlanta, Morehouse, and because the Braves have... Um, you know, we've we've seen that that's something that we can come along and support, you know, f- as far as black athletes and and providing opportunity and access for them to be seen with scouts. And then Wonderful. how do we develop? With, you know, of course, you know, Marquise and yeah, uh, MGBA. Yeah. And I know Henry is very involved with them. And um, of course, being involved with alumni, that's something that I'm really passionate about. But I've really been really proud about how the Braves have approached uh, the HBCUs and trying to support and, and help them. So I was I hopefully we're we're making a difference and we're seeing how we're we're helping support them. Of course, I think you are indeed making a difference and I'm very pleased with the Hank Aaron Fund that has sprung up and it's growing with the Atlanta Braves. All of these things are so severely needed in our schools there well everybody knows that money is, is scarce. And and uh, it takes a lot that we haven't had and don't have, but our schools have done so much with so on so little, and that has always it seems been the expectations of some people. Here here's a dime now, but I'm gonna give my dollar to tech or to wherever, and they can really use this money. So you have to take a dime and do with a dime what all colleges and other colleges and universities do with $100, let's say, mm-hmm. by comparison. Right. And um, so it's been really refreshing to have organizations, big corporations and the like, really see the need for and support for the HCBUs, HBCUs, I'm sorry. Uh, and we, we are grateful. I am so grateful. I have had many a conversation with a number of corporations here in this town. And we were very, very successful after a period of time with uh, getting support, some real financial support from companies like Georgia Power and Southern Bell at the time, you name it. And we were always soliciting them, but we weren't always getting contributions of note. That finally came, and I'm hoping that that is continuing today. Well, Mrs. Aaron, so I'm I'm getting married in about a month. Are you? I am. I am. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, my wife to be is like me. She's a huge admirer of yours. We were both so struck. Uh, in the World Series celebration a couple of years ago, uh, not only your speech, but just we both were marveled at the the strength and confidence to get up there and speak in front of 40,000 people in that moment was something we both marveled at. So she, when I told her I was going to get to talk to you, she was very jealous. I said, well, if you, if you wanted to ask Mrs. Aaron one question, what would it be? And this was, this is my fiance, Laura, this was her question for you, for, for you. When you encountered tough times, what gave you the motivation to press on? Well, I, I sort of stop, take a deep breath, back up, 
and call on my master. I am religious to a point, and I I know that there's someone up there that's listening to me. So when I get in the dumps, when I get, when I fill up with problems over my head that I don't know what to do with and how to handle, I pray. I call on it. I love that. That's great. Love that. Well, Mrs. Aaron, we can't thank you enough for just taking the time and allowing us in your home. Uh, we, we, we truly, truly appreciate it. And thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.